Today, we're talking to Darren and Eric McKee about prospecting as an introvert versus extrovert, motivation, and sales styles. So if you've ever played sports, you've definitely heard of, you know, play to your strengths and avoid your weaknesses and that sort of stuff, right? And it's interesting because, you know, when I played basketball, you know, I'm right-handed. And the big thing in basketball is being able to dribble with both hands, at least do layups with both hands, that sort of stuff. So I spent a lot of time developing my left hand and dribbling, especially, you know, so I could dribble either way. And you hear kind of both ends of this spectrum in sales, especially where there's this, hey, if you're good on the phone, avoid email and then vice versa. And I don't think it's that simple. I don't I don't know if you should 100% play to your strengths and weaknesses, but I don't know if you should 100% ignore it either. You know, so I guess where I'm going with this is introversion and extroversion. When you look at your natural tendencies just as a person, either to really invest in socializing with people, for example, as an extrovert. And that doesn't mean that introverts are not good socially. I, I'm an introvert, you know, for example. It really has more to do, and I could spend a whole podcast talking about this, but really more to do with how you re-energize. But typically, extroverts, they like socializing and are thought of as being better talkers. Introverts, you know, not as much on that side. So how does that play into prospecting? Well, if you're an introvert, ironically, I really like the phone. <laughs> so, and extroverts, they may avoid email, for example. And I don't know if it's necessarily that easy. And, and where I'm going with this is the people that I'm interviewing today, I'm, I'm super excited about Darren and Eric McKee. I've never interviewed two brothers on the same podcast before. And that's one of the topics that we talk about is introversion and extroversion and what that means with prospecting. And really what I got from that isn't really, I don't think, a cut and dry answer, but they talk a lot about how you can play into your personality type, which I, I thought was super cool. And before we get into the interview, though, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, my name's Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting. And my goal with this podcast is to help you think outside the script with your prospecting and share proven tactics and strategies to help you set more meetings with your ideal clients. And I'm super excited for our conversation today with Darren and Eric. We're talking about introversion versus extroversion when it comes to prospecting. Uh, they're both m motivate themselves in very different ways too. So I thought that was really cool because with prospecting, I always equate it to you know working out. I, I don't know very many people that like working out or eating healthy all the time, and it requires a lot of discipline. And you know you don't necessarily see the benefits of that in the short term which is almost exactly like prospecting in most cases, right? You're doing something now that's going to pay off two, three, four weeks or months even, you know, from now. So we talk about that. And then we also talk about just sales styles, like how they prefer to go about prospects. Uh, Darren, he prospects more into small businesses. Eric's prospects into companies like Twitter, you know, on the enterprise level. So there's a lot of differences in how they approach things. And I thought it would just be kind of cool to get them both on an interview together. So I think you're really going to dig it. Um, before we dig into that interview, Check out the show notes if you're interested in a couple of things here. So in the show notes page, if you got your podcast player up, it should be right there in the notes. We're doing a uh, free virtual tour this summer called Think Outside the Script. So folks like Darren and Eric, we've interviewed some reps, we've had some panels, we've had all kinds of other sales trainers and consultants and experts, uh, but it's free, it's live, and it's everything prospecting. 
So cold email, cold calling, LinkedIn, personal branding, et cetera. Make sure to check that out. That's in the show notes. You can just click the link. It's tour.blissfulprospecting.com. And if you want the show notes for this episode, click on the show notes page. It's at blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast. And they'll have all the links and stuff like that too to connect with these folks. And without further ado, let's get to the interview. Now, can you guys share a quick story about something you remember about being brothers growing up? Because one thing that stuck out to me, because I talked to you, Darren, first, and then you got a group chat going, and you guys were sending pictures of each other together, and like when you were kids and all this stuff. And it was, it was, it was really endearing. I have little siblings, uh, you know, so it's kind of cool to see siblings actually getting along. But any stories that you guys uh, wouldn't mind sharing just to, to kind of kick it off here? Yeah. I mean, we can start with a poll and you can try to figure out who's older or younger. And that's always a good one to, to figure out. And uh, no one ever knows. So, so, but there's a good gap between it. So one of us is getting the short end of the stick there. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I think uh, it, it's interesting and there's, there's so many stories to think of, but uh, we're one of those weird people that like, we've, we've always got along. We've always kind of ran in the same circles of people and, and, and appreciated each other um, throughout our whole entire journeys, whether we lived um, you know, in the U S or Eric was in Malaysia and still, you know, keeping the same relationships going. So, um, but man, I think always chasing after what, what he's set as an example before me in regard to sports and, um, you know, activities in our community and stuff. So, I mean, so many stories, but we could be here for three hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just gave me away as the oldest brother. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I think just uh, sports stand out to me. Uh, being five years older, uh, I can remember quite a few uh, posters uh, where I would dunk on Darren in the driveway and, you know, beat him like 100 to nothing. Uh, and he would keep coming back and always wanted to, to play. Uh, but I appreciated his willingness to let me uh, dominate him and, and basketball in particular. That's great. That's it's pretty funny, dude, because I have a younger brother, Travis. He's he's a year and a half younger than me, but basketball was was our sport. He never beat me a single time when we played one-on-one. It, it got, like, nasty. You know, like, we talked tons of trash to each other, very physical, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, cool. Well, I'm interested to dig into, because I know that you guys both got into sales differently, right? Uh, how did you guys get into sales and maybe, like, start with, do other people in your family do sales? Like, did you talk about sales growing up? Or did anyone have a business background? Like, how did you guys sort of get into sales or hear about sales and, and all that good stuff? Go for it, Eric. Oh, man. Uh, so, no. Um, our uncle is, uh, what's his position, Darren? At uh, He's a CFO. Yeah, he's a, he's a CFO. And, um, you know, Darren had more exposure to him growing up. Our dad... Uh, didn't go to college and uh, right out of high school started working for DuPont when he was 18, 19 years old. And he just retired from them uh, two or three years ago. So he was with DuPont for 30 plus years. Um, definitely has a more like conservative approach to, to work and life. And so uh, sales like never really came up in our household. Uh, Darren actually moved into sales first and maybe you could share your experience, Darren, and then I'll yeah. talk about how you kind of encouraged me in that, in that regard. Yeah. So I, I followed my dad's footsteps a little bit and decided that college was way too expensive and, uh, didn't go 
Um, I, I attempted to go, but I, but I never, uh, I never. It finished. wasn't for you. <laughs> it just was. It just was not for me. Um, and Dude, I don't so, have a college degree either. Yeah, yeah I don't so I either, just. Man. I thought, what could I do to to make some money? And I ended up. Uh, I actually ended up working for my uncle's company, uh, who we talked about earlier, and uh, was living in New York City and working. And um, you know, I fell into the world of talent acquisition and recruiting, um, which, if you're familiar with that industry. Um, that sales at the highest level. Um, you're not only selling yourself, but the company, the job, the individual, and the long-term growth path of that person. Um, but I just got tired of dealing with people. Um, and so um, I was approached by Insperity to uh, jump into a sales role with them, where now I get to help businesses and communities kind of figure out the whole people side operation of sales. And so um, that's how I stumbled into it from a no college to a recruiting to sales. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at where I'm at now. And Eric has a little bit of a different story and um, a, a really cool one at that. So I'll let him kind of digest. Yeah, that. I, saw, I saw Darren have success with Insperity. And um, so my story is unique in that coming out of college, uh, I went on staff with a college ministry called Campus Outreach. And I made a two to three year commitment with this organization, moved from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina to the triangle here in North Carolina. Uh, and you know, at every at every turn when I had an opportunity to to pivot or to transition off staff, we always felt like we needed to stay. So what I thought would be a two to three year commitment turned into 12 years of serving with this one organization and um, actually leading as the executive director for the past four or five years. But uh, a lot of my buddies would transition off staff at Campus Outreach into sales roles, and they've been wildly successful. So I knew um, okay, when it's time for me to make this transition, I have a lot of transferable skills that could help me in the world of sales. Darren was already kind of leading out in that, and it just made sense in this area uh, to, to transition into software. Yeah, it's interesting because you both, it sounds like, got into sales fairly recently, right? In the last, what, two, three years in, in an actual formal sales role, you were doing a lot yeah. of quote-unquote selling you know, prior to that. Um, and you both got into like this wasn't your intended career path necessarily, which I think yeah. one person, dude, that I've interviewed was, was like <laughs> wanted to get into sales. Sam Crew uh, from Extra Hop, I think, is the is the company. So interesting. Um, how would you say that your guys is? Because I want to start getting into the how you guys approach prospecting. But how would you say that your guys' sales style, like, how does it differ between you two? How would you describe it? Yeah. I so back up a little bit. This is kind of a funny story, but so I was in sales in Raleigh. Eric was trying to jump into sales in Raleigh and Raleigh is a pretty big market. Uh, I'm a little smaller than Austin, but it's funny out of all the real estate in the entire Raleigh Durham market, we ended up in the same floor next to each other in the same building. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we get to see each other all the time now outside of work and at work, uh, which is, which is, that's cool. Great. Um, not now since we're not all going to the office and I'm working at this co-working space behind me. And so it's been, it's been nice, but, um, you know, I think, I think it's funny. Our styles are, our styles are, are kind of similar in the fact that, you know, we, we both like to lead with empathy and, and we care about the community and the people that we serve. I think the difference is, is we're just, we're kind of selling different things, um, which requires different approaches, um, you know, I may have a six to seven month sales cycle in my job, um, which may, which is a huge relationship sales prospect prospecting effort. So it's just a little bit different. Um, 
you know, we're both hungry go-getters and come from an athletic background. So, um, we don't really, we don't give up too easy on, uh, if someone's not responding to us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, w- I would say Darren is way more of a natural networker and people person. And he's been like that as long as I can remember. Uh, just never met a stranger, see someone in the coffee shop that looks interesting. He'll go up and, and have a conversation with that person. I think those skills have really helped him in, uh, in his job. You know, my job is mostly behind a computer and it really comes down to hard work, effort, metrics. Uh, and so I think that's where I'll, we both kind of lean into the competitive uh, side of our personality where we're just always pushing and always striving for more. So in that regard, we're, we're similar, but I would say he's much more of a natural. Um, like when you think about a salesperson, I think Darren fits that bill uh, better than I do. So if uh, my assumption is correct, Darren, you seem a little bit more extroverted. Eric, you seem a little bit more on the introverted side. Our yeah. opposite, sorry. Darren, you are more of an ext- I don't even know what I said actually because yeah. I'm looking at one person. <laughs> I, I'm definitely Darren, more of the Yeah. I'm definitely more of the extrovert in in yeah. in a in a certain way. There's also an area where Eric kind of shines in that in that category because um, where I might talk to every person in the coffee shop, I might know them surface level or a little bit, or just like, Hey, that's John from the coffee shop. Eric will know one or two of those people really, really, really well. Um, like their life and their background, what they do and build those kind of relationships a little bit better than I do. Um, so we're, we've been able to kind of bounce those relationships off of each other. Um, you know, for example, he'll reach out to me and say, Hey, how do you know this person? I'm like, I don't know, but I'll figure it out really quick. Um, but if I ask him how he knows somebody, it's like, oh, I had coffee with him. I did dinner with his family and I know their business. Like that's the difference of us. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to like, I'm, I'm recharged whenever I'm alone or with a small group of people. Whereas Darren, I feel like comes home from a party and his tank is, is full. <laughs> uh, but I enjoy this. I, I've always enjoyed just being in front of people. In my last uh, in my last context, I mean, part of my job was was giving talks and and speaking to large groups of people. I enjoy that. I would rather speak to a large group of people instead of just you know mingling with a large group of people. Yeah, it's really interesting. I definitely relate more with you, Eric, in that regard. I can turn it on, dude. When we're doing a podcast, I could turn it on a webinar. I love getting on stage and speaking, but. Dude, the thought of going to a networking event still makes me super nervous. You know, to talk to people that I don't know and to have to like entertain them or be interesting or whatever. And then my wife is the opposite of me. She is uh, like very extroverted. Uh, She's from New York, right? A very just kind of in your face kind of culture, you know, and just very much like that. So we kind of balance each other out in that regard. But this might be a good first topic, actually, because I think there's this common misconception still that for some reason that like, oh, the best salespeople are extroverts. And it's it's like a mix of the two. I don't I don't know that people really understand extroversion and introversion. And Eric, you alluded to it when you're like, well, it's just how you recharge, right? That, that's really what it's about. But let's talk about how do you think that selling and especially pros, like the prospecting approach, do you guys feel at all that it's different based on your natural tendency of being more of an extrovert or an introvert in terms of how you approach it? Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it's just leaning on what you're comfortable at and what you're good at. Right. So, you know, 
and I'll be the first one to tell you, like, I, like emailing prospects is not my thing. Like, it's just not, yeah. it's not something that recharges <laughs> me. And I don't taking eight minutes to write an email is just like exhausting to me when I can fire, you know, 25 LinkedIn voice messages to people, right? Because it's my personality. They hear who I am. Um, but that's, but again, that's what recharges me because I'm like, oh, they're hearing me and it's making me excited versus sitting behind a computer and emailing something really crafty. Um, so I think it's just tapping into what, what you're good at and, uh, and, and doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been interesting for me, you know, coming from, from my background and the last position I held, uh, I'm definitely more of a big picture kind of strategic thinker. I live in the world of like ideas and I'm more of an activator, uh, which you guys know the SDR role is just a grind and you can apply those things. Uh, but mm-hmm. it really comes down to your ability to grind through tasks and just stay the course. Um, and I've, I've been, I've been successful, I think because of my maturity and my work ethic. Uh, but, but nothing about really my, uh, my passions or how I'm wired. <laughs> I feel like it goes against the grain uh, of, you know, what I'm doing on a, on a daily basis. So it's, it's been a challenge for me. I'm not a, I'm not a super tactical uh, details oriented person. And I feel like those are the waters that I'm swimming in most days as an SDR. Let's, let's dig into that. How do you, cause, and the reason why I'm digging into this area is cause I think a lot of people relate with there's data right? There's the data you hear around sequencing, right? Just the science, I guess, part of, of prospecting where it's like, Hey, certain number of touches, certain number of channels across certain number of days and all these sales engagement platforms got all this cool data. But what they don't take in consideration is like, who are the people that are using this platform? And then, Oh, what are they saying? You know, what's the messaging, right? So there's a, there's a lot of variables there, but uh, Eric, how do you approach like just the motivation, maybe part of it, and like the and, and bring in the energy part to something because that's the theme I'm getting from both of you guys is that you can like both of you guys are super gritty, like you can grind it out. You know, how do you approach Eric doing something that may not feel natural to you or kind of go against some of your natural tendencies, but you know that it's like kind of what you need to do? How do you, how do you get yourself to do stuff like that? Yeah, great question. I mean, <clears throat> I think. Uh, taking a step back financially was super motivating for me knowing that mm-hmm. um, it's a step back to take th- two or three steps forward to be able to provide for my family and experience some financial freedoms. So I think about that a lot. And I just, I mean, we're working from home. So my family's right here in my face and uh, you know, I'm going, I know Darren shares this value as well, but going to work every day for them to be able to provide for them. And that's super motivating, you know, when, a, when your four-year-old walks through your office door, it's like, okay, this is why I'm making 50 calls today because I want to support my family and, and provide for them. And also I know that I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of on the path toward becoming an AE and I feel like uh, being an account executive is going to be way more aligned with my natural skill set as I can, you know, interface with customers or the customers and actually build a relationship with them versus, you know, two or three minute cold call. Yeah. The why factor is interesting because I, I mean, I run a business, but I also sell, you see, you know, being a business owner, I think you've done it before, Darren, it, it, you know, it's, 
dude, there's a lot of multitasking, right? There's like a lot of shit that you have to do <laughs> of outside of selling stuff. Um, yeah, and motivation can be kind of tricky. So I'm like really big on that why factor, but I just kind of opened this up to both of you guys. I mean, how do you approach that? Do you have something printed out that you look at? Is it like a mantra that you tell yourself in the morning? Do you pray? <laughs> like, what, what, yeah, what, do you, what do you do to like kind of get the mindset ready, if anything, like, like to get mentally prepared to do your job? Because I, I don't think anyone really actually talks about this part of it, like treating it like a sport and actually mm-hmm. mentally preparing. Anything that you guys do? Yeah, um, so... Go ahead. Eric's, uh, Eric's probably got like his, his written on the wall behind him somewhere right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit different in, in that regard. And so one thing that Eric talked about, we were talking about motivation earlier, and we talked about my, our father earlier that worked for the same organization for years. And um, fortunately, and I, I feel like we're both blessed with just the mindset and passion to provide and to be that person for our family. Um, I have two kids as well. Eric has two kids. We live right down the road with each other. And that financial freedom for us to do what we want to do when we're in our 50s is what motivates us um, to be able to continue those lives with one another. And, um, you know, I think it's leaning on accountability and it's leaning on others to, to keep us motivated in those times where we don't want to be motivated. Because listen, we're in sales and, and, and right now we're in sales in a pandemic. Um, it's probably the craziest time ever to be doing what we're doing, especially, I mean, I smell, I sell to small businesses, so it's, it's an interesting time. So I have to lean on others to motivate me in these times, um, and, and have a go-to list of guys and, and people that I can reach out to to say, Hey, today sucks. I'm over 12 and deals in a row and I need to sell something tomorrow. Right. And just having those people that we can run to, but, um, that's kind of how I approach it daily. Yeah, I think one one thing that I'll add, and um, you know, this this comes from the unique experience I've had just being on staff with a, a church and working for a, a nonprofit. Uh, work for me, first and foremost, is about the glory of God, and I'm, I'm I'm trying to bring that to my job day in and day out. Work is is worship for me, so no one sees what I'm doing day in and day out right now. Like my boss has no idea what's going on. I mean, she can look at it, she can pull a Salesforce report. But it's up to me. Like, am I going to come in here and really put in the work? And ultimately, I'm accountable to to God, and uh, and, and that that passion and belief I think is, has helped me in, in my sales journey so far. Yeah, it's it sounds like both of you are very in, in tune with that. I I think that I don't know. It's just like whatever it is for you. Like, it sounds like it's a very spiritual thing for you, Eric. Like, Darren. Maybe for you too, but there's a family component. It sounds like for both of you guys, uh, I think like just sitting down. Like one thing that I do is like I have a whiteboard here. I have stuff printed on there with like we're running this virtual uh, tour right now where we're trying to get twelve thousand signups. The reason for that twelve thousand is because Outreach did a virtual summit and they got twelve thousand people, and apparently that's <laughs> the biggest virtual summit. You know, so like little stuff like that. I think playing into your competitive nature too in a fun way. It's like, I don't really care. I like the guys that are, I don't really care about beating them, but it's, it makes it fun and brings that sport element. And that really, I got reminded of again, watching the Michael Jordan documentary, you know, like he would make up stuff to be competitive. Um, but I was just curious how you guys approach that. If we get more into like block and tackle type stuff and let's, let's start with you, Darren, because you're like, yeah, sending an email. I don't know. Like what, yeah. what's your tool of, of preference? And obviously we want to kind of have a mix of the tools, but if you had to pick one tool out of like phone, email, LinkedIn, what's your tool of preference? Yeah. And how do you think about, I have to start a 
conversation with a prospect that doesn't know who I am, maybe like, what's the very first couple things that you think about in getting that started? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I go to LinkedIn first, uh, but before LinkedIn, I think it's, we talked about this the last time we chatted, it's, it's referrals in our center of influence. So I spend a lot of time on referrals and trying to get folks to refer me business um, versus me reaching out and trying to just call somebody and explain to them what a professional employer organization is. It's just not an easy conversation to have. Um, but if I have another individual reach out and say, hey, you should talk to Darren about a PEO and how he can help you with HR benefits, compliance, and everything in regard to your people, that's a lot easier for me to have that conversation with. So I'm more of the type of person that I'd rather have three of those intros than reach out to 250 people a week, right? Because I think those are what those are the folks that are going to buy what we have to sell. Um, but I mean, I think going back to why LinkedIn, it's because I can use the voice, I can send a picture, I can send a message. Um, and I can really get detailed where they went to school, what they did prior, what nonprofits they're a part of, what their about me says, who their blogs are, like all of that stuff I can find in one spot. I can't do that on an email. <laughs> and I just like to yeah. stay in that, in that, that bubble and just work it. And then I'll call their cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like for LinkedIn, LinkedIn is sort of the go-to for you. And, uh, do you have anything tactical that you can share around, do you just send people connection requests and do you customize the connection requests? Like what are some you know preferences around like how you might approach connecting with someone and just really thinking about what the message would say, like the yeah. purpose, you know, for even reaching out. I mean, I go back, uh, I do this every other week and I look at all the ones that people have sent me and I, and I look mm -hmm. and I take a picture of all the ones that were terrible and I'm like, all right, I'm never doing that. Right. And then I try to craft that. So if I were to reach out to somebody, I'd, you know, get something really relevant about their background or what they did to make sure that they know that I, I, I am, I'm actually a human and I did some research on you before I just sent you a blind request. Um, and then as soon as they respond or as soon as they accept that connection request, I just send them a simple thank you via voice. So press the microphone button and I just say, hey, thanks so much for connecting. Have a great day. I don't pitch them in spirity. I don't talk about what I do. Um, and I let it sit for a couple of days. And then I go back and I just say, Hey man, I'm so sorry. I haven't had a chance to get back with you. Um, here's why I connected with you. Um, but I still don't throw up in disparity all over people um, because they just might not be a good fit. So what, what's an example of how that might sound if you're sending them a message without pitching? Cause people do the exact opposite. I put out a video that was you know, kind of funny where people talked about uh, someone labeled it pitch slap. Right, yeah. you connect with someone, they immediately pitch you. You get pitch slapped, right? Which <laughs> I thought was worst. hilarious. Uh, yeah. But yeah. So, what does a non-pitchy message uh, sound like? If you want to, yeah. you want to get a conversation started that mm -hmm. could eventually turn into a sale. Like we're we're salespeople, right? So, what what does it sound though? If it doesn't sound pitchy? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the that's the reason why they're called discovery calls up front. We're just trying to discover what what you're doing inside your business. So if I were to reach out to you, Jason, I'd just say, I'd say, hey, man, I grew up two south of you, two hours south of you in this terrible little town called Victoria, Texas. Uh, it's <laughs> awful. I hope you've never been there. Um, anyway, you know, I know some folks in Austin might could utilize your business, but at that point, I want to talk to you a little bit about what I do and you know why I do what I do, and I just leave it at that. Right, I don't tell them what I do and talk through what I do because um, I want them and I want them intrigued with what I said. Um, and then when they respond back, I have the freedom to be able to talk about what I do. Mm. Um, but I just want to get them to read and respond. That's my my sole purpose every day is read my message and respond to it. <laughs> and it sounds like you're like heavily prioritizing the fact that you want to start a relationship with this person. And I remember talking to you about this before, where it's 
you know, I, I want to look for people that I could, that I would, would want to refer business to, right. Yeah. That could refer business to me or potentially do business. And just to give people some context, you said that you have like a six to seven month sales cycle. Like what's, what's the annual contract value look like, like deal size, like what kind of people are you working with just to give everyone some context? Yeah. So we sell deals between, we look at company headcount, right? So I sell between five employees to 250 um, employee companies. And so we're typically at the end of the day, we're selling to the executive vice president of HR, the president or the CFO. Those are the people that we're, we're talking with. And executive vice president of HR could be chief people officer, chief happiness officer, whatever it is now. Um, and those are the folks that we're typically selling to. And these are long-term contracts, um, you know, where our typical customer stays with us for nine plus years. That's our average right now is nine plus years. We've got about 10,000 clients around the country. And so um, when we, I talk about relationships because you just, like it's a relationship sell. I mean, I talk to these people every other week for the rest of their life with Insperity. So I can't just call them and say, hey, you need to buy Insperity. It's just not going to work. It does every once in a while. And those are, those are great wins. But um, yeah. most of the time, it's a long-term relationship. So these are probably like six or seven figure deals over the course of that nine-year period, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, so we charge per employee per month based on each individual um, every month that they're with us. Interesting. Okay. This is really cool because I think we're going to see some interesting differences here. So Eric, <laughs> same question to you here. Now that we have like, so Darren, it sounds like six to seven month sales cycle, five to 500 employees. Sounds like a very SMB kind of mid-market-ish uh, sort mm -hmm. of solution. Very long deal side, uh, uh, deal uh, cycles in terms of our, our contract length, excuse me. Yeah. And it sounds like you're very like heavy, heavily, uh, on LinkedIn. What about you, Eric? What's your tool of choice? If you had to pick one and then how do you think about, you know, the people you're prospecting to and give us some insight into, into who those yeah. people are and how you would approach it. Yeah. I like LinkedIn and Darren has helped me, um, sort of, master uh that part of my outreach i mean we have social steps built into every sequence that we use so we're on linkedin sales navigator a lot uh and um i mean one thing that i've seen success with i can't remember who i got this from maybe uh josh braun is that his name um but he got a lot of his stuff from never split the difference so I, if i'm if i'm reaching out to you jason i would be you know say something like Hey, Jason, Eric here from 15.5. I'm sure the timing is way off, but just curious if things like manager effectiveness, employee engagement are top of mind and just leave it at, at that. Um, so disarm him from the bat and sort of give him an excuse to say no to me. Uh, sort of a reverse psychology thing there. That's that, that's really worked for me and for our team. Uh, so I like LinkedIn, but man, I'm, I'm choosing the phone all day, every day, just because I feel like with the phone, the ball is in my court and I can call this person, especially if I have their cell phone anytime. And there's a chance, there's a chance that they're going to answer. Whereas, you know, if they don't want to talk to me, they're not going to answer an email. They're never going to respond to a, uh, a LinkedIn message, but they might not want to talk to me and still answer the phone if I call them at the right time. So I, I would choose the phone for sure. Dude, I love it. Phone is also my preference too. Um, interestingly enough. And, and I think it, the point here is that, yeah, we can have preferences again, but a multi-channel obviously is, is the way to go to, you know, engaging people in multiple areas. So who are you selling to Eric? Like what, what is a typical deal size, you know, sales cycle? What's a typical customer like for you? 
Yeah, so I've never sold a deal for fifteen five. I mean, I've created a lot of opportunities for our mm. account kids, but that's about as far as I go um, right now. Uh, and I'm an enterprise SDR. So, for example, this morning I've been calling uh, Twitter, um, Airbnb, yeah. uh, Adobe. You know, thousand plus employees, ten thousand plus employees, uh, and our target persona is. You know, it, it would be great if I could get the CPO of, uh, of you know, Airbnb on the phone. Um, that, that would be a huge win for us, chief people officers. Uh, but over 50% of first-time buyers of 15.5 are engineering or product leaders. Uh, so we sell to them as well because they, they really, they understand the value of ha- having a, a tool that's focused on manager effectiveness. Um, so, we sell to them quite a bit as well. So VP of engineering, so product, chief people officer, and pretty much everyone that Darren mentioned in yeah. the HR world. So when you're cold calling, do you, are you able to get directly in touch with these people or do you do kind of bottoms up? Like what's, how, how do you end up getting uh, in touch with them to, to get a meeting set up with your AE? <laughs> oh man, I, I don't know if we have enough data on the enterprise role yet. Um, but I mean, uh-huh. I got in touch with the chief people officer or the CHRO of Twitter just calling her cell phone. And she's actually, she said yes cool. to a podcast opportunity um, with our CEO and she's recording next Friday. Um, so she said yes to the podcast. We haven't created a sales opportunity yet, um, but just making deposits, uh, our ask from that, from that podcast is going to be that she sits down with one of our product leaders so she can give us feedback on our product and what it would take to partner with an organization like Twitter. Um, so kind of playing that long game. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're targeting everyone from like the C-suite all the way down to uh, the director level. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like, again, those direct aisles are really your best friend in getting a hold of people. So, so what would you do, Darren, if you were prospecting, at Eric's company. Is there anything you do differently? Yeah. So it's, it's funny you say that when you're talking about uh, like the competitive mindset of us. I mean, I think you could look at our pictures back and forth from each other every month and it's the end of the month sales leadership. And it's like, yeah, I won again. And, and he's like, yeah, I won again. And so, I, I mean, if I was starting at 15.5 and, and Eric was there and I looked at the leaderboard and I saw, hey, every he's top of the list every other month or every month, whatever it may be. I, I would just sit down with him and say, well, what are you doing? Let me mimic it. And then filter in some things that I really enjoy doing because I'm not the type of person that'll do something long-term that I don't like. Um, but I, but I will sprinkle it in uh, and, and I like success and I like results. So, um, you know, it makes me go back to one of my old mentors who used to hate when people said, said, Hey, I'm passionate about my job. And it's like, no, you're not passionate about your job. You just practiced at it. You're good at it. You like being good. And now you're passionate. Um, and mm-hmm. so when you're, when you're good at something, you become passionate at it. So, I mean, I would just sprinkle some things in that I'd like to do while doing things that he was doing and um, vice versa. Like what kind of things? I'm just curious. I mean, I'd, I'd pick up the phone and I'd start dialing, right? I'd, I'd, I love calling cell phones, but um, I've never been in that world with him. So, you know, I've never had to make a hundred dials a day. I did, but I only lasted that company for like three months. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I moved on from there. But, uh, you know, I, 
I love success. I love seeing my company grow and my division grow inside my company. So whatever that needs to happen, I'm gonna I'm gonna make that happen. So I'm I'm top of mind for. I think one 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 thing that we could do, like if Darren came over to fifteen five, I, I think we would put together a game plan for really targeting the triangle area and just going to to my boss and saying, hey. Uh, let us let us run this play for a month or so and see if we can get see if we can create solid sales opportunities at local companies. Uh, for example, Pendo is a customer of of fifteen five. Uh, maybe we could pick off a few more companies in Raleigh, uh, and that would get him out in the field uh, and where we could really utilize his strengths of networking and relationship building. Yeah, see, that would be that's what I was thinking, uh, you know, because Eric, your approach is more like how I w- would do it. It's like very like sequencing, numbers driven, pick up the phone kind of thing, and it's like I would just want to get you, Darren, in front of people, you know, yeah. like focus on geographical areas and just get as much in person, well, whatever you can do right now, at least, you know, yeah, um, around that. I mean, it's it makes me think about like so like my process today, right? So I'm in this shared workspace environment today and I walk in downstairs and there's like 15 companies names on the billboard. So I'm like, shoot, take pictures of all these and then go to, we use seamless. I don't know if you know seamless um, to try to find each person inside of that organization. And then I'll just, I'll ping them all tonight on LinkedIn with a voice message say, Hey, I was upstairs with, you know, with venture X today, football as well. Like, and then I'm going to be there Wednesday. Can we chat? I'll show you the space upstairs. Like that kind of stuff is, is a little bit, you know, of my style. Yeah. And I think that's a great approach when you're, when you're trying to reach out to, you know, companies um, that are that, that size, you know, five to however many, what is it? 200 Darren? Yeah. 250. Yeah. I think that approach works great. So reversed, what would you do, Eric? If you're Darren and you're reaching out to those kind of companies, is there anything that you would do differently? Uh, I would probably go to my manager and ask for a sequencing tool. I would say, Hey, we got to yep. find a budget for an outreach or a sales loft. Um, because like, I can, I can do this. Uh, but is there a way, is there a way for us to, uh, standardize this, reproduce this? Cause Darren kicks butt every single month. Like if, if we could just reproduce what he's doing and create like an echo chamber, um, I think that would be a huge win for their for their office. Um, but yeah, I would say, where's the money? Let's go buy an outreach type tool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other thing too is, I mean, that's they, like course the guys. They just bought fifteen five, so I I probably wouldn't do that actually because <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, because you look at a tool like Chorus. I mean, their their slogan I think is something like "Copy your best rep" or or whatever, something along those lines. I think a conversation intelligence tool also just to listen into your guys's conversations and like what are you guys saying and doing and stuff like that that works well um interesting so these, those are some interesting takes is there is there anything like when you guys look at because you mentioned empathy how did you guys approach uh because you are both fairly new to these roles here in the last couple of years how did you guys approach learning about who the prospect actually was so that you could have, you know, empathy for them. Like, how, what was, what was that approach like for you guys? And, and what did you do to really try to put yourself in their shoes and learn about their problems and all that stuff? Whew, that was, um, 
I'll just be really honest and tell you that was really hard. Um, whether we're talking about pandemic or whether we're talking about injustice um, here locally. And I, I mean, it was hard. It, it, I had to put myself directly in those folks shoes, but at the same time, my family has to eat. Right. So like I have to still make calls and I still have to still reach out to people, but I just have to do it in a more tactful way. Um, and so, you know, whether that meant me honestly just saying what I felt right up front on the call, like if I was calling somebody and just say, Hey, I, I know this is probably a terrible time, but this is what I have to do. And honestly, I'm doing myself and you a disservice if you don't know who Insperity is and how we can help you during this time. That's what I led with throughout this whole entire process. It's just like, hey, I was hired for small businesses to know what we do. And if you don't know what we do, I don't, I can't sleep at night. <laughs> right. And so um, yeah. and this is not a good time, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, interestingly enough, 15.5 demoed for me whenever I was the executive director uh, with Campus Outreach. Um, so I've been on the other side of cold outreach um, and, you know, had very little empathy for sales reps at that point in my professional career. Uh, but 15.5 demoed for me and I, I can remember, you know, being a potential buyer. Uh, we ultimately said no because it was too expensive. Um, but, um, I, I, I could easily put myself in the buyer's seat, uh, and that I think helped me and sort of differentiated me from our other sales reps who are, you know, 22, 23, having never really had that experience. Um, but we, we made a great move 15, five, uh, as an organization, uh, we pivoted toward extended trials and like a freemium version. So if I was calling you, Jason, you know, the ask was, Hey, I understand that times are hard. Now your teams are distributed. Here's 15, five for free. And it's a great tool for your managers to stay dialed in with their employees. So it didn't, it didn't feel like I was making too big of an ask. It was more of an offering. Here's a free offering that could really help you right now in this situation. And that's what that's what ultimately got us, Jason, at at Insperity. We did the free trial, um, and then who we, who would have ever thought we would still be remote? Um, and here we are, still remote, still using fifteen five um, on a daily basis. Yeah, interesting. Is there is there anything around like when you guys first started working there? How did you learn about the problems that your product solves? You know, because that's a big thing I see missing with a lot of prospecting is it's very like, Hey, here's, here's the features. Like here's, here's what we do. Not really talking about why that's important or what that means for the prospect. How did you guys learn? Cause you guys see, both seem to have a lot of conviction. And this has been something I've been thinking about a lot is like, cause there's certain people that are saying the right things, but you just, it's like, I just don't believe you cause there's no conviction. They, they don't really believe in like what they're, what they're selling. How did you guys work on that piece of it? Like figuring out like, well, what is the big business problem that our product solves? And like, how, like, what does that mean yeah. for the person that we're helping? So one thing that I do that I will always respect and share all the time about Insperity is that um, for the first year, they advise, they don't make you, but they advise you to co-sell. Um, and, and what that does is that, that gives me as a new rep, the ability to see what's worked for other folks and also 
visiting past clients, visiting current clients, visiting prospects, and just trying to see like, okay, who has bought and why did they buy? And them letting me ask those questions, right, in that process. And if I happen to sell a deal in that time, then I split that with that individual. And it just built a very big team environment and team-oriented approach in your first year. So when you got to that first second year, your first full year, you, you knew why people bought, you knew why people left, you knew why people didn't like us or why they did like us. Um, and so you had all of that, those tools in your, in your tool belt to be able to, to really hit the ground running after you were quote unquote fully trained. Um, and in that first year, there's three week long trips to Houston with your entire sales team that you started with. Um, so just a, a massive investment in training and why people buy what we do. I love that part of like sitting in with current and past customers too, because <laughs> dude, if you haven't seen the transformation that your product makes, I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to sell it that well. You're not going to really be like s- super excited to help the person if you don't even know what that transformation looks like. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, for 15.5, uh, we use the analogy of like someone smoking on an airplane, like, have you ever, have you ever been in that situation? Like it's it, no, right. Like we don't allow, we don't allow that anymore because of how terrible it is. Well, that's, uh, the annual performance review is very similar to smoking on an airplane. Like, have you guys ever been, uh, have you ever sat down and had a bad performance review? Yeah, we all have. Have you ever had a bad manager? Yeah, we all have. Uh, so every everyone can relate to those two things. And our value prop is do away with the annual performance. Move to something that's more continuous, coaching conversations, and equip your managers to be more effective. So we're really focusing on that middle layer within companies to up-level your managers and make them better. So how did you learn about who your prospects were and like how to how to talk to these folks is you're, you're interacting, I would assume with like HR, you know, kind of folks, how mm-hmm. did you learn about this? Cause that wasn't something that you've ever done, right. As a career. No. And I, I would say I'm still learning that that's definitely yeah. a growth area for me is understanding the personas that we're reaching out to. Um, so I think about Heidi, our, our VP of people and just like her world and things that are top of mind for her. And I, I try to remind myself, like I am calling Heidi right now. And I know that people leaders especially are crazy busy right now. I mean, they are holding it down on so many fronts. So they have a lot of pressure on them. That creates empathy for me whenever I'm calling someone else when I think about how Heidi is doing within our own company. Uh, but I, I, I would say I still have a lot to learn about the world of HR. And I've leaned into Darren because he's had experience there and he helps me a ton. Uh, but I mean, engineering and product leaders too. I got... Um, I'm, I'm leaning into other reps who have sold effectively into uh, those departments and, and, and learning. But I would, I would say I'm just scratching the surface in my understanding of what those people do and, and what their challenges are. No. Cool. Uh, let's do a couple of rapid fire questions. Are you guys down for that? Yeah. <laughs> this would be kind of always <laughs> um, <laughs> like so, my favorite thing um, ever. <laughs> What are your thoughts on video and putting videos into emails or using videos on LinkedIn? Hmm. Uh, so we use a tool called Vidyard. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, if you want me to be honest, like I, I think it's great. It just takes a lot of time and it goes back to my personality style and it's just not 
not my thing, but I do, I do a lot of videos on LinkedIn just for the masses on, on whatever topic that may be, but embedding them in emails and embedding them in LinkedIn uh, has not been fruitful for me unless I hold a billboard up that says the person's name and the company. So they actually click it. Those actually do get some feedback. Um, but other than that, um, no, I don't use it too much. I mean, I think copywriting skills are like a rep's uh, biggest differentiator if you if you know how to write. Um, but I, I would say I don't I don't think video is going to replace writing, but I think it's the future. Um, so we use we use Drift video, emails, first degree connections over LinkedIn. Huge tool for for me and for our reps here at fifteen five. I think it's the future. Yeah, definitely, man. Especially for you know, your personas too, especially that you're reaching out to it to these larger companies. Um, how many touches, how many times will you reach out to someone before giving up if they don't respond? <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. Uh, it depends on how bad I want them. Um, I mean, up to 50. Woo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the, the average, uh, touch point last year before we got an actual first call meeting was like 13. Um, and you know, I mean, some of them were 25 and some of them were three. Right. So, um, right now it's a little bit more. Dang 50 touches, man. That, that is insane, Eric. Um, <laughs> that's certainly not always the case, but, um, I mean, if, there, if there's somebody I want and feel like we can get them, like we would be a good fit. I want keep them in sequences, but I'll definitely keep them in a nurture and just, uh, you know, hope, hope and pray that they respond to something. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, if you guys could go back and give yourself advice as a first time rep, knowing what you know now, what would you say? I would say sit down, sit down with the CRO or VP of sales and let them pitch 15.5 to you. 30 second pitch, write it down, record it and master that pitch. Uh, I actually did that with Brad, our CRO at 15.5. And that was, that was the biggest game changer for me in giving me an early start and kind of a one-up on our other reps. I had the CRO, how he would message and, and pitch 15.5. And I just, I just did that on the phones for the first couple months. Yeah. Um, I would say break out of your office walls and turn into all of the other existing pieces of your business. So um, talk with marketing, talk with pricing, talk with sales engineers, talk with uh, your internal HR team and just branch out of your own office cube. Um, so many reps come in and they're just like, Hey, I'm just going to sell, 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 sell. And it's like, Hey, we have 81 offices. There's a lot of people around the country that could bring wisdom to you. And, and you should probably know the details of pricing and how sales engineers do their demos. And then also from a standpoint of marketing to, to really tie in and utilize that. And so um, something that was really beneficial for me and something that I've coached others on as well. Dude, those are killer tips. You guys, those are really, really good. Um, I got like two more. So what do you think cold email is going to look like 10 years from now? You think it's still going to be a thing or no? Well, I think if you, <laughs> this just makes me think of something I saw the other day. If you were to go back and look at all those people on their job applications 10 years ago that said, what would you be doing in 10 years from now? Probably wouldn't be battling a global pandemic um, and trying to figure this out. So it's like, 
I think email will be there. Uh, I think there will be just, it's going to be tied into so many different things. You know, Eric and his company, they do a really good job while looping in a bunch of technologies to help support them. Um, you know, we could honestly do a little bit better job with that. We're a little bit more old school in that regard. So um, I think it'll be around and it'll be, be totally morphed into something different. Yeah, man, that's a great question. I think it'll, I think it'll, I think it'll be there and will evolve as smartphones evolve. I mean, you guys have seen the research. Like, if you're if you're emailing a, an executive, you got one swipe, like one swipe of the thumb. Um, so subject lines first, first line uh, in in the in the body, um, having something in there that stands out and differentiates you from the other, you know, hundreds of similar requests he or she's getting. I hope it's still there. Yeah. I don't know, man, with these spam filters, you know, it's so easy. I mean, you don't have to have outreach or sales loft anymore to send mass email templates, right? It's so easy to do it that I think it's going to be really, really hard. Um, I mean, some of these sales engagement tools, like they get rid of the uh, plugins so they can't connect anymore with Gmail or Outlook, you know, because they get used so much in abuse, but yeah, interesting. Uh, one more question. Um, what do you think is the most misunderstood part of like prospecting effectively? What do you think that reps that don't quite get it right? What, what do you think they're missing? I mean, I think that it just goes back to knowing who you are and knowing what your drivers are and being relevant to that person, right? I think the folks that just come in here and say, Hey, we're just going to, I'm going to sell in Sparity. I'm going to, you know, make sure all these people buy it. It's like, great. Probably not. Um, but if you have a reason to be successful and you have a motivation there to do what you do, um, and then you honestly know why this is going to help someone and care. Um, so one thing that in Sparity does that I, that I talk about all the time is we're, we're paid residually through the life of our clients. Um, and that reason is because we want to make sure that they're taken care of for the life that they are a client. Um, and so if, if you don't believe that you're really going to support them, then that's the most common misunderstood piece of, of, of prospecting and sales for us. Um, they're with you forever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, normally I would go the philosophical route, but Darren, since you went there, I'll try to be a little more tactical and I'll shout out Mike Iannuzzi over at Pendo, who was my manager uh, at 15.5 for several months. And he really taught me sales development. And uh, he, he knew that I needed to go above my quota month over month to provide for my family and keep our same standard of living. So on a quota of 10, we determined like, Eric, you got to hit 15 month over month. So if, if you're going to hit 15 qualified meetings, here's how many emails you need to send. Here's how many phone calls you need to make. Here's the conversion rate that you need to look at. Like he built, he helped me build Salesforce dashboards and showed me, um, you know, the, the structure, really the process of sales development. Cause I had, I had the intangibles, like I had the soft skills. I knew if I got someone on the phone, on the phone, I could, I could, you know, at least have a conversation with them and have a shot. Uh, but I didn't understand the numbers piece. I didn't understand the system. And, and Mike taught me sales development in that regard. And so I would say to a new rep, like trust the process 
and you can't expect to hit 15 qualified meetings if you're not putting in the amount of calls and the amount of emails that it's going to take to get you there. Love it, dude. Sweet. Well, we're out of time, you guys. Uh, Before you take off, where's the best place to connect with you and what do you want people to go check out? Yeah. Um, come check out Durham, Durham, North Carolina is where it's at guys. Uh, you can follow me on, on LinkedIn. It's probably the best place. I'm always there. Um, and then, you know, if you're a small business, there's no reason you shouldn't be with Insperity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I would just say hit me up on, on LinkedIn. I'm there. Sweet. And we'll link to both of those in the show notes. I uh, appreciate you coming on guys. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Jason. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jason. Enjoyed it, Darren. See you later. <laughs> that was a fun one. And, you know, I have two younger brothers and a younger sister. So I think it's so cool to see um, Eric and Darren like get along. Well, what seems like they get along together. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, guys. <laughs> Just kidding. No, they, they, uh, they totally, um, you could tell they have a lot of respect for each other. And as siblings, I think that's just so cool to see. And this is really um, so awesome, you know, to get to interview them together. And my big takeaway was I really like this, like this co-selling approach that Darren talked about where, like at their company, they recommend that people do that for the first year so they can really ride shotgun with other people and they can actually get a chance to talk to current clients and past clients on like why they bought. I would see what kind of version of that that you could do at your company. And maybe it's not riding shotgun and doing it for a year. Maybe it's just sitting in on someone else's sales calls or listening to their recordings or whatever it might be, right? Sitting in with customer success if you're at a SaaS company. Um, if you're at a services company, you know, looking at the fulfillment team and the people actually delivering the service and talking to them and sitting in on some of their meetings, doing whatever you can, even if it's on your own time to learn more about who your prospects are and what problems they have. So thanks for tuning into the show. Really appreciate you coming in. One quick favor. If you could leave, please and leave, excuse me, an honest review on the podcast on iTunes, letting me know what you think. This really helps us continue growing the show so we can get on great guests like we had today. And you can do that at blissfulprospecting.com slash iTunes. You can do that on your phone, take you straight to the podcast page and you go scroll all the way down to the bottom and you can leave a quick review. So really appreciate if you did that. And if you're on the podcast app on your iPhone, just open up the podcast, scroll to the bottom, leave a quick, honest review. I would really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon.